Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, my name is Luke, and I'm a sexaholic, uh, sober since March 10th, 2014. Um, I'm uh, really delighted to be uh, given the opportunity to speak. Um, I've uh, I've listened to several past recordings from this meeting. I've never attended live, so this is the first. Um, but uh, yeah, I've really appreciated the past recordings, and uh, you have a lot of really wonderful speakers on. I appreciate all you're doing here. Um, and my thanks to uh, to Nancy also for helping me get um, squared away with uh, meeting details and everything and showed up an hour early because of daylight savings time this morning and, and uh, no big deal, um, but it's good to be here. Um, so I was, I was told that, uh, you know, bring your own topic, um, something that you're passionate about. And I was thinking about it and, oh, what could I talk about? I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of things in recovery, recovery as the larger envelope being, you know, really the, the foundation and, and uh, you know, the biggest thing in my life. Um, and I, <clears throat> excuse me, I talked to uh, a sponsee of mine and, and uh, he suggested sponsorship and I thought, wow, what a great topic. So, um, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I kind of wanted to start with um, a little bit of, I'll probably go through some of my history with, with sponsoring people and, and kind of what that process looks like for me and, and all that. But I just wanted to start with a few readings from the big book. Um, and I consider the big book our, our basic text um, and uh, really the foundation for all 12-step recovery. Um, and so I, I lean on it quite heavily in working with people. Um, and I'm, I'm regularly getting into it, reading daily and stuff. So one of my absolute favorite readings that I like to quote and share with people is from Bill's story. And this is on page 14, if anyone wants to follow along. Bottom of the page on 14. Uh, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again, and if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. So, you know, this is one of the first spots where uh, they they hammer home this idea that uh, if we want to stay, uh, quote, recovered, if we want to, uh, you know, maintain um, the obsession being removed, uh, we have to work with others. We have to be giving it away. That's just how it is that's one of the things that was discovered early on you know there's the famous um famous i don't know the well-known quote um or story of uh you know bill going in despair talking lowest you know uh, um, i've worked with you know six months i've been working with all these people trying to you know get get sobered get people sobered up and and nobody's gotten it nobody's sober now and and uh and lois says to him well bill one person's sober you're sober and, uh, you know, and that's one of the great things that was discovered early on in, in AA pioneering days was if you're, if you're making the approach, if you're trying to work with others, um, it doesn't even matter if people are getting it or staying sober. Um, it's in the effort um, that we are, you know, I am, um, I get to keep what I've, what I've gotten. Um, and so um, more things here. Um, so this is from page 89, the beginning of chapter seven, working with others. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking or lusting for us uh, as intensive work with other sexaholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. 
carry this message to sexaholics. You can help when no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. Remember, they are very ill. Uh, life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Um, and how true this is for me, you know, um, the next one I'm going to read about, um, I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, this is from uh, A Vision for You. Um, and uh, so here we have shown how we got out from under. You say, yes, I'm willing, but am I be, to be consigned to a life where I should be stupid, boring, and glum like some righteous people I see? I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? Yes, there is a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous for us. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus, we find the fellowship, and so will you. Um, and in my experience, um, this these promises come... Uh, most prominently in my active working with other sexaholics. So if I'm just, you know, hanging out, going to meetings, you know, getting coffee afterwards, whatever, um, I'm probably getting some of it, but um, really the promises, the, the, the viable substitute for my disease, for my acting out um, is in the, the active working with other sexaholics. Uh, working specifically to take them through the 12 steps so that they can have a spiritual awakening and pass that on to other people. Um, in my understanding, uh, sponsorship is all about taking someone through the 12 steps so that they can have a spiritual awakening and then do the same uh, with someone else, hopefully lots of other people. Um, and anything outside of that, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on and talking on with people on the phone and, you know, everything. Um, but uh, but that is that's the core of it. And if that's not happening, um, then it's, you know, it's <laughs> it's something other than being an, an essay sponsor, in my opinion. Um, and, and I'd like to say, too, I didn't say it at the beginning, but everything I share here is going to be, you know, my experience, my opinion. I don't speak for essay or, or anyone else. This is, this is strictly my stuff. So um, and hopefully if it, you know, if it doesn't square with what's in our literature, um, then you can just disregard it. <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to read here um, is from the end of Dr. Bob's story. Um, and, and just before I read this too, I, I've been uh, listening to uh, writing the big book on, on audio. And uh, um, one of the things they were talking about recently was um, in the early days, you know, the amount of time uh, Dr. Bob was spending roughly 10 hours a day uh, working with other alcoholics in the beginning, um, trying to pass it on. And so, <laughs> Keep that in mind, you know, and he worked with over the number I've usually heard is 5,000 alcoholics in the course of his life, um, which I think was about 15 years from when AA started to when he passed away in around 1955, I believe. Um, so he was he was very active. And so this is what he said about it. Uh, I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learned to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. One, sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in so doing, I am paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. Four, because every time I do it, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. Um, and that, you know, and that really says it for me too. You know, uh, working with others, like I read earlier, it's the bright spot in my life. I mean, there's nothing like, like going through some step work with somebody, getting off the phone, getting you know, getting into my car or whatever, and just the feeling of 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 peace and serenity and and hope and freedom and and joy is just uh, it is a pleasure and uh, and it's like nothing, it's like nothing else. I mean, you know, acting out, uh, you know, um, our disease. I mean, it's like nothing else also, but but this is it's it's something completely different and it's a uh, sort of a, a, a quiet excitement kind of a high, you know, it's like, um, and, and connection and, and all of it. Um, and uh, one of the things also, I'll just say popping into my head now about, um, you know, the gifts that come from sponsoring people. And, 
And it really has brought me so much closer to my higher power. I, I, I have noticed over the years um, that, uh, you know, one of the promises in the big book of, you know, getting intuitive thoughts and, and learning to trust that kind of uh, that in, intuition. Um, I get that more uh, in working with others than any, anywhere or anytime else. Um, you know, I'll be on the phone talking with a sponsee and, and I'll just have something, something that seems out of nowhere pop into my head. And it's like, I, and I learned, I just like, I'll just throw it out on the table, you know, like, well, I don't know if this, you know, I don't know how this will land, but you know, this just popped into my head and maybe it's something to suggest that they do, or it's something that, you know, um, a different way of looking at things they're talking about or, or whatever. But, um, and I just had my higher power stepping in and saying, well, Luke, uh, I know you're pretty inadequate, so I'm going to help you out here. <laughs> And uh, you know, help you take care of one of my one of my children here. And uh, you know, it's a great privilege to work with others. I I frequently thank my sponsees for allowing me to sponsor them. Um, I I often think, and and I've heard lots of people say this too, that I get more out of sponsoring people than than they get from me. Um, it's uh, it's such a pleasure, and and it uh, like I said, I feel it brings me closer to my power. I I feel. Uh, well cared for um, in in working out those relationships and and how I see my higher power working through me and and I get to be an instrument um, and uh, and I get I, I feel cared for through that process. Um, so some of the some of just the nitty gritty kind of stuff I guess I'll get into um, when typically when someone asks me to sponsor them um, and what my I guess it was my second sponsor. I've had, um, what, three sponsors now. Um, my second sponsor, when I asked him uh, to sponsor me, uh, he asked me a couple questions. Um, the first was, are you willing to go to any lengths to stay sober? Um, are you willing to take direction from me? Um, and I, actually, I think those are the two questions. Um, and so I, I'll frequently ask those questions to sponsees. Sometimes I don't remember to do it right off the bat, but that usually comes up at some point. Um, and usually people just say yes, you know, I mean, whether they are or not, I mean, or whether they know any better, I mean, they just say yes, you know, it's like, well, I'm supposed to say this, I'm pretty sure. So, um, and, uh, and it always becomes clear whether those things are true, um, as time goes on, but, uh, that's usually what I start with. And then, like I shared earlier, I, I, I think as a sponsor, my focus is on taking someone through the steps. And so um, I usually try to, um, I usually check to see what literature people have to fir first off. Um, I lean very heavily on our literature. And so um, having, having literature uh, is important. Um, I typically uh, suggest bare minimum. Um, people have uh, the step into action book and the AA big book. Um, the other stuff, I mean, the white book, I know it's like, it's kind of like our, our text, but I, uh, I, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the, uh, the instructions for going through the steps and, and the steps are where it's at. So, you know, I, I say step into action is priority. Um, and then, uh, and I like to suggest people have the big book because it's, again, it's the foundational text for 12 step recovery. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I suggest people start um, start getting into the, the reading, um, and uh, and then as as they get into specifically the big book, I usually suggest that we um, we go through it, um, we talk about it some. Um, there's a lot of especially for for the first step. There's a lot of like foundational um, knowledge or understanding of what is our disease what does it look like how does it manifest what does it look like in my life you know do some identifying and relating with them um and uh and then that you know information is extremely important right that's the that's the one sexaholic talking to another um that's what allows me to gain the confidence of them. um when i share you know the things that have happened in my life the way that i was out of control and powerless um, when I share those things, hopefully uh, a new person can identify with them and then they can accept um, or at least consider that what has worked for me can work for them too, right? They have to identify and accept that they have the same problem that I do. Um, without that, really nothing nothing more can happen. So that's a crucial aspect of it. 
Um, and so I try to share some of my experience and what brought me to SA and kind of what my experience with um, active sexaholism was like. Um, and I really, uh, again, for like the first step stuff, I try to um, really accentuate the, uh, the, the nature of the disease, right? And I lean heavily on the big book for this because I love the way that it describes it and everything. And I just changed drinking for lust, drinking for lusting, you know, sexaholic for, from alcoholic. Um, and it reads for me and my disease. Um, so I really hammer home, you know, this is a disease of a twofold nature. Um, I, I understand other people want to bring up the spiritual malady, it's threefold, whatever, but I don't get into that because it's not specific to sexaholism. I think everyone has the spiritual malady if they are disconnected from a higher power. But um, so it's a twofold disease. Um, the uh, first aspect is a physical allergy. So I respond differently to lust than other people, right? Um, when I uh, when I see someone walking down the street and I want to lust after them, objectify them, um, you know that that gets stuck in my head. Like I can't I can't just get rid of it. I can't uh, I can't be free of it. I think about it. I obsess about it. I turn it into other things. I turn it into fantasies. I, I run with it. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm doomed to, to relapse again, to act out essentially. Um, as soon as I start lusting, uh, because lust for me triggers the phenomenon of craving. Um, it's a, it's a physical allergy. Some, I mean, something happens in me that doesn't happen in other people. I just, that's just my experience. Right. Um, I had classmates in, in school that, you know, we would, um, I had a buddy, you know, we'd look at porn in one of the computer labs and I had a friend walk by and he's like, oh, that's disgusting. What are you looking at? Uh, you know, and it's like, this is doing something for me that it doesn't do for other people, you know? Um, and, uh, and I just had to accept that at some point that I am physically different. Um, so that's the first aspect. Second aspect is the mental obsession, which is probably the less, um, less understood or uh, harder to accept, perhaps um, part of the disease, um, and it's the it's the thing that uh, condemns me to return to the first drink, regardless of any knowledge, information, consequences that I've experienced in the past. Right, so um, no matter what I've experienced, um, there will always come a time when I think it's okay to lust. I think I can handle lust. I think that. Uh, I don't care um, about consequences or anything, you know, screw it. Um, that's a definite attitude I've seen in my behavior. Um, but regardless of the reasons, the explanation, the understanding, the rationalization, whatever, um, the fact of the matter is that I start lusting again um, and nothing stops that. Um, no human power is what the big book says. Um, no human power can relieve it. Um, and, uh, and that's the part that, um, you know, for me, it took, it took a lot to, to accept that. Um, I, I came to this program with, um, with, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. Like, uh, I typically, if I have a problem, I, I use my brain, I, you know, I rationalize it out, I figure it out, I, I get the solution and then I, I, you know, carry it, carry it out. Um, and that was just, just impossible with this, you know, um, time and time again, you know, the problem is in my head. And so my head can't fix my head. Right. <laughs> it's just, but man, what a baffling thing as an intelligent person coming into this, like, uh, it was just, um, yeah, cunning and baffling. And, uh, I, uh, I just could not, uh, could not get it for a long time. Um, and then, uh, so, so yeah, I, I try to get into the steps as early as possible with people. I usually suggest um, in some of our first conversations that they call me every day. Um, that's what's been passed on to me. If we could mute, background you could mute, please. Thanks. <laughs> okay, yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, I usually suggest people call me, um, every day. Um, that's something that I have, I have done with my, my last two sponsors, um, basically for the last eight years. Um, I rarely miss a day. Um, and it's, uh, for me, it's kind of part of working, a, an active 10 step. I, uh, I check in with, you know, lust, resentment, fear, selfishness, whatever. Uh, if I'm disturbed, you know, I share about what's going on and I can get some immediate feedback from my sponsor. Um, and he's pretty responsive. I usually talk to him most days of the week. So, 
Um, so that's something that I pass on. Um, and, uh, I, uh, um, and I usually tell them to, to call two or three other people, um, in the program who are sober, um, and, uh, you know, have, <laughs> you know, a year or more sober is usually what I say. Um, and kind of trying to get plugged in with people who have solid recovery, um, who have the solution. Um, and then, uh, I usually suggest they get to a meeting, at least a meeting a day for the first 30 days. Um, and, uh, I used to be like, that's one of the, was that 10 minutes? Five minutes, Luke. Five minutes. Okay. No, five perfect. minutes. Um, okay. Um, so I, yeah, I usually, um, or excuse me, I used to be like a super stickler, like, you know, you got to call me every day. You got to do this. You got to do that. You know, um, this is how it works. Like this is, <laughs> this is the program. Um, and, uh, you know, that really, um, was not a serene way for me to be a sponsor. And, uh, and I think I, I could, I could maintain that to some extent when I didn't have very many sponsees, you know, if I only have one or two sponsees, I can, I can keep pretty good tabs on them, you know? Uh, but when I started getting, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, 10, whatever, I think I'm around 16 or 17 now. Um, it became impossible. I mean, I can't even, I can't even keep up with hardly where people are at. Right. Um, and, uh, much less like, you know, I just, I, I can't. And, uh, and because my serenity was affected, um, there was sometimes when I would have to, I had to let people go cause I couldn't, um, I was getting too disturbed by their, uh, inability to call me every day. <laughs> it sounds so silly to me now, but, um, cause I mean, most people don't call me every day. I, I suggest that that's what they do. That's what I do. Um, I call my sponsor every day, but, but very few people do. Um, funny enough, most of the people who have get, gone through the steps and are staying sober and working with others do call me every day. So there may be something to that, but, um, and, uh, one of the one of the things I've been told um, is most people don't make it. It's just kind of the sad reality of this this program, this disease. It's an ugly disease. We live very close to our drug, and so we have to live very close to our higher power. Um, and and it's hard, you know. It's a it's a it's a hard, simple program, really. <laughs> um, and the the way that I have to live dependent on a higher power is not something that I think anyone really wants to do when they get here. You know, I'm very dependent on higher power for peace and serenity to get through the day. Um, I'm constantly praying and, and, and spending time with God and I'm in constant connection with people in the program and, and, uh, and, you know, trying to work with others and, and be of service. And, and, uh, um, it's just, uh, it takes quite a bit, you know, uh, my sponsor frequently says it, it takes a lot to keep me sober <laughs> and that's been true for me too. Um, but, um, uh, as a result of all this, um, I have a life today that I, I, I never believed was possible, honestly, just the joy and the peace and the serenity and, and the, the purpose that I feel in my life today and working with people and being a sponsor, um, is just unbelievable. It's phenomenal. I mean, I, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and, uh, I get to, I, I get so much pleasure and fun out of working with people and, and uh, the experience of seeing someone who's completely broken and, and just, I mean, hopeless and destitute come into this program and get to work with them and see them get connected with a higher power um, and, and the lights come on and, you know, maybe they start working with other people um, and it's like, oh my God, I want to, I want to be a part of this, you know, let's keep, let's keep doing this. <laughs> It's like, it's like anything else I've ever experienced. Um, and you know, uh, uh, we know you won't want to miss it. Uh, as the book says, um, I know you won't want to miss this. Um, so, and I think the, one of the last things I'll say, um, it's kind of been all over the place, but I, and I think there's a Q and A or something later. So more will come out, but, um, the, uh, uh, I just went out of my head anyway. Um, well, I, uh, I guess I can say, um, the, uh, yeah, this experience, um, it is just unbelievable. I, I mean, I, 
when I first um, when I first started sponsoring people, um, I was I was kicking and screaming, right? I I did not want to work with anybody. I was shy. I was afraid. I I don't have anything to offer anybody, you know. Um, and for what I'm told, that's pretty normal for people. You know, they never think that they're ready to start sponsoring. It's usually their sponsor who suggests it. But, um, but man, it really started changing everything for me. Um, I when I started going to meetings with the 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 attitude of not uh, at first it was, uh, you know, what can I get out of this? You know, how am I going to get fed here? Like, I need a meeting. I need to get here. Um, and then it was like, oh wow, like I'm I'm one of the you know, someone who has experience with sponsoring, um, working the steps, um, no one's talking to this newcomer. Like, I guess it's me, you know, I guess I need to go talk to him. Um, and shifting, uh, from, you know, really a self-centered program to, uh, a, a, a help others program, right. Is what it's become for me. Um, and, uh, so really, um, I kind of jokingly tell people, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but it's actually a 12-step program. It's not an 11-step program, uh, and the 12-step is is super important. <laughs> it turns out, um, it might it might be the most important. I don't know, um, but yeah, uh, but yes, the, okay, excellent. Yeah, so so yeah, the 12-step, do it. Uh, if you don't do it, um, you probably won't stay sober. So, thanks. Okay, thank you very much. That that was an, an amazing share. Something that jumped out at me um, was the very first quote that you read on page 15. Fail to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. Which, you know, so often I think of like, hmm, or, you know, whatever meditation looks like. But according to this big book, it's through worth working with others. You mentioned 500 people. Um, and you have 17. Uh, and you said your purpose is to take them through the steps. So when you get through the steps, have they been discharged? How does this all work? And the, the part two is you, you mentioned step in action. Step in action can take a long time to get through. Um, and your thoughts on that? Yes. So, um, <laughs> well, one of the things that I said, and thank you for the question, Nancy. I appreciate that. Um, most people don't make it, right? So who I'm working with right now, um, you know, maybe a third of them will actually get through the steps. Um, unfortunately, that seems to be the case. Um, and I, you know, I'm constantly trying to see, is there a better way that I can approach sponsoring people? Is there a more effective way, you know? Um, and I try to be fairly fluid and flexible about that. But uh, um, step in action is what I usually rely on. Um, I, I like it because it, it follows the big book pretty closely. I mean, it adds, you know, the chart in step two and step six, and it kind of adds some additional things here and there. But, um, but fundamentally, it follows the 12-step process as laid out in the big book. Um, and, uh, and it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You read it, you do the questions, you know, um, it's easy for people to follow, um, follow and go through. It does take quite a bit of time in my experience. Um, maybe not as much time as, as you might think if you're, <laughs> if you're actively doing it and your, your rear end is on fire. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I'd say, I think I have one, two, three, four, five. I think I currently am in contact with five people who have been through the steps who are sponsoring others right now. Um, and several with, you know, five or more years of sobriety. Um, and then the, the majority of the people that I'm working with are between the first step and the fifth step right now. Um, and in my experience, most people uh, either drop out at step one, step four, or step nine, somewhere in there. So does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, I just I appreciate you sharing your experience. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and Moeen, before we go to you in the chat, I got a message from Arash from Sweden. 
who says, sober by the grace of God for today, glad to be here, and thanks you, Luke, for, for your share. And then Josh L. also left a comment saying, thanks for your share, brother. I'm relatively new to this program, and first I want to complete my 90 meetings before finding a sponsor, but I've had so many questions on what it means to, to have a sponsor. Your share really helped me understand, so thanks. So, Moeen, you're up. Thank you. Thank you so much, Luke, for your great share. Um, I have a question that I'm uh, a bit shy about, but I, I'm going to ask it. I have a sponsee who is um, some sort of, quote-unquote, obsessive, and um, he, he talks about an inventory for a couple of times uh, with me, and even I have told him what to do about the, making the same amount he again and again calls me and asks me what should I do, what do I need to do, and repeats his his last questions again. But or sometimes he he talks about the same issue for a long period of time, meaning for several months. Every week he calls me and talks about the same issue, and I've already told him and explained him what to do and what he what he need uh, to do, but he again talks about it. Yeah, um, just to wrap up, it makes me nervous and annoyed, and it seems that it it uh, affects the, my ability to serve him. What can I do for that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, great question. Um, well, thinking is what I do when I don't wanna take action. So <laughs> that's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I have some sponsees that are, um, they are world-class thinkers, you know, and uh, turns out nothing changes if we don't take action, right? So, um, and if someone wants to, to hang out and, and think about doing things or talk about doing things or uh, whatever, I'll, I'll probably point out to them that they're not doing anything different. And until they do something different, nothing will change, right? Um, another thing about, I think you mentioned obsession. Um, I only obsess about things that I can do nothing about. Um, and uh, uh, an obsession is thinking about something more than once without a change in circumstance or information. So if I'm just running things over and over and over and over in my head, uh, that's obsession. Um, it's very damaging to me. I'm completely useless. I'm obsessed with myself when I'm doing that. Um, and, uh, and my sponsor relates it to uh, running a skill saw around my insides. Um, it's just terrible, you know? And, uh, and so I, as soon as I notice that I'm obsessing, um, I just surrender it similar to like I would surrender lust. Um, I say, God, I surrender my right to think and obsess about whatever it is. Um, I give it to you. Um, or God, I can't handle thinking about this. I give it back to you. Um, you know, all of the, that kind of stuff. But um, that connection with the higher power and then, um, you know, again, being willing to take direction, you know. Um, I mean, that's one of the reasons I ask people early on. It's like, are you willing to take direction from me? And then if they're if they're not taking my direction, it's I mean, what are we doing? Like, I don't I don't know. I can't really be useful to you if you're not willing to follow suggestions. You know, so um, maybe you should find a sponsor that you're willing to take suggestions from. I don't know, but um, anyway, those are some thoughts. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, next up, I think, was Sam. Um, hi, Luke. Um, yeah, that was brilliant, brilliant share. Um, I, I have a question. Um, you you said people drop out either step one, step four, or step nine. Why why step nine? I don't want to make amends. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, 
experience step nine is the strongest medicine that we have. Um, and uh, it's um, that's usually when I see people's lives like in things change like almost you know, overnight uh, when people start making hands, um, when we become willing to go through that process. Um, I mean, it's, and it's really, it's, it's, it's significant ego deflation, right? This program of ego deflation at depth. And I don't think anything does that more effectively than go to people who uh, we may still have resentments towards and, and think, God, you really screwed me over. I don't want to make amends to you. Uh, when we're willing to go to those people and say, hey, I screwed up, you know, I, I wronged you um, and, uh, and I ask your forgiveness. Um, man, that will, as my sponsor said, uh, that'll, that'll peel you off the ceiling, you know? Um, and, uh, boy, yeah, it, it, it works like nothing else. And I think people just don't want to do that. You know, I mean, we're so afraid of deflating our egos because we, we relate so much, we identify so much with our egos, you know, the false self, um, that it feels like the white book says it feels like dying, you know, it feels like we're going to die if we go through with this. Um, and so it's that sort of self-preservation of, of the ego itself, which is the one thing that we have to get rid of if we're going to stay, stay sober and, and uh, be spiritually fit. So. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Sam, for the question. Thanks, Luke. Uh, next up, Lee T. Luke, I think that Wait, was Daniel, great. I think Ahmad was next. That's fine. No, oh, okay. Oh, I think Lee was first. You go on, Lee. So, all right. Okay. So, sorry about that. Uh, it's uh, I I can't recommend uh, for everybody the book writing the big book. Uh, it was revelatory for me, and one of the things that kind of shifted my paradigm was that the big book was not written as a text to be studied in the twenty first century. It was written for the person who never heard of recovery in 1938 and 39. So what it was, was a manual somebody could pick up, read, go through. And the whole story is about formulating groups to help others. And throughout the whole big book, there is no mention of reaching out to others for help. When you get in trouble, you help somebody else. And that is the main message. Uh, and it doesn't take a long time. Uh, twice a year for the last 25 years, I've gone and gone through the steps uh, in three days uh, with a group of men up in Vermont. And uh, that's all it takes. And I think that that's the way it was written. And I agree with that. Uh, and I think the big thing is, is that I've got a lot of sponsees that I've sponsored a long time. And now, uh, when I share something with them, sometimes they give me a lecture, and uh, that's what I need. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's not a one-way street. They're helping me uh, as I try to help them, and that's what the program is all about. The last the summary, the question is, uh, uh, do you shoot for any time frame uh, for comparison? completing the steps once you get started. So I do because I don't want to get stuck examining the meaning of the word willingness or humility or whatever it is. I want to go on and uh, take action. So it's not thinking, it's acting. So how do you do your time frame? Thank you, Lee. That's a great question. Um, yeah. And this is something um, that, uh, I've actually just recently been really thinking about more um, because because what I see is when I just tell people, you know, do this work when you're done with it, let's meet. Um, it just gets stretched out, right? Um, when there's no deadlines for things, um, people don't do it, right? <laughs> and so, and that's actually something that my sponsor, uh, my last sponsor, um, did with me a lot, you know, he would say, okay, you know, um, this will probably take you a week. Let's, you know, let's schedule a meet next week and, and we'll go over this. Um, and that worked really well. Um, and that's something that somewhere in this process, um, has, has gone by the wayside for me so that I, I, uh, I need to, to pick that back up again. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to say I really appreciate um, your experience, Lee. That's uh, you're someone that I've listened to over the years and uh, and really benefited from. So <laughs> thank you. Thanks for the question, Lee, and answer, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Uh, yeah, I'd like to open it up now for folks with fewer than thirty days. Feel free to raise your virtual hand and get in line. And I next next up is Ahmad. Okay. Uh, hey, everyone. Hey, Luke. Thank you very much for the great share. I'm really grateful for it. And uh, I'd like to ask you about, about uh, when do you exactly decide to uh, like um, tell someone, tell one of the, your sponsors to go find another sponsor? And the reason I'm asking that is um, I had a certain number of sponsors. They were, uh, I was really enthusiastic about working with a lot of people early. Uh, but now I'm like my schedule with studying and exams became very, very busy. And, uh, I think I like, I cannot keep with like all, like all these people. I'm not, it's not fair. I'm calling a lot of them once a week, like maximally one hour. Like, should I tell them to like, to go find another sponsor or to go on with it? Just talking to them with this like limited amount of time. I'm really in a dilemma. I cannot like take the proper decision uh, about it. So if you can share your experience, strength and hope about that, I'll be grateful. And thank you for the great share. Yeah, wow, thank you, Ahmed. Um, excellent question. Um, and, and it's a good question for me too, right? Because I'm I'm in the same boat, you know, I've, I've got so many people, it's, um, it's hard to keep track and, um, and I'm really on fire for, you know, I want to carry the message to as many people as I can. And um get people through the steps and all that um oops you muted yourself luke there we go sorry about that um yeah so i'm i'm starting to see the same thing myself that i'm you know i'm finite i have i have a wife i have a daughter like i have a full-time job um i can't I can't do that. You know, I'm not retired. Like some people are in position where they can do a lot more than I can today. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to like piece in, you know, talking with people while I'm, uh, driving to and from work and, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with, you know, three, four people every weekend, uh, for an hour or more. Um, you know, I'm, I'm scheduling out my evenings. It's just like, at some point it gets to be too much, you know? Um, and that's something that I, I rely on my sponsor pretty heavily for. Um, I, I made the decision a while back that I, I want to be kind of on the ragged edge of doing too much, um, in service work and sponsoring. Um, and, uh, and maybe over time I'll come back from the ragged edge to just the edge and, you know, maybe, maybe even a little bit further back, um, but uh you know my sponsor kind of helps me um helps me see where those points are um and can suggest uh you know maybe you need to you know spend some time with your family and and do something different maybe you need to drop this person or um you know do things differently um one of the things my sponsor has suggested is um when i last time i think i brought up i may be sponsoring too many people um he said well um yeah that could be um uh, you may just need to have, start having shorter conversations <laughs> and, uh, and he is, he sponsors a ton of people himself and, and he's pretty religious about, you know, if I can get more than 10 minute, minutes with him, I'm, it's a good day, right? It's like, <laughs> that's a long time with my sponsor. So, um, and, uh, you know, and he's not like blunt or brutal about it. It's just like, that's just what he does for his own mental health and sanity and, and, and schedule. So, um, and that's something that I could certainly uh, do better on implementing also. So thanks. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Ahmed. Uh, Lila, you're up next. Uh, thank you. My name is Lila, Sixtafoli from Poland. Uh, thank you, Luke, for your speech. And a special thank you for your uh, very uh, easy accent. I could understand you, so it's not so often. <laughs> and. Um, mm, uh, uh, I was touched uh, how many sponsors have you got and people asked before about time which was spent with sponsors so I got some answers uh, but I wonder 
how you make to how you can remember uh, what you work with with so many sponsors. I ask this question because if I have got three sponsors, I have problem with remembering what I work with one person, what I work with second, and what I work with third, and it's so confusing for me. Uh, but I have got some problem with concentration. But maybe you have got some tips how to how to deal with that. Seventeen people, it's a lot. Because uh, you share your experience, maybe some tips. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Leela. Great question. Um, I I rely on my sponsors uh, for the most part um, to keep track of you know where they're at, what we tested, you know, um, and uh, I find, you know, if, if someone wants what I've got um, and they're, you know, wanting to get better, um, you know, they're, <laughs> they're going to be coming back, they're going to be working with me, you know, and, and if they're, if they're not, then um, they're not. Um, and uh, I, like I shared, I, Used to be really like of everybody sponsored um, in terms of like you know this is where they're at this is what we're doing like you know this is what's next um, and uh, I I still do it to some extent um, but because of the number I mean I just can't um, and I don't think it's healthy for me either um, I just get obsessive but um, yeah, I, I would say I mostly just rely on them to to be coming back and kind of um, driving uh, the the step process. And then occasionally, I just did this last week. There's a few guys that I I haven't heard from in a while, and I don't know like you know do they still want me to sponsor them? Like what's going on here? Um, do they need you know more more information? Do they have questions? Are they confused about something? And so I just. Um, I just sent them texts and said, "Hey, what's going on? I was, you know, thinking about you and just wanted to check in and see how things are going and see if you had any questions and, um, and uh, yeah, go from there." So, thanks, Leela, for the question and Luke. We have time for maybe one more question, and I don't virtual. Oh, yes, I do, Daniel. Virtual hand. Thanks, Daniel. From Daniel to Daniel. Hey, Luke. Good to see you, man. Uh, Daniel, recovering sexaholic. And uh, hope my internet is solid enough to, to share. But Luke, last time we caught up, it's probably been a month or two. I had mentioned that I was going to try some of the stuff I'd heard from Wally P of AA. And we actually had a speaker here maybe a month and a half ago or two. We talked about this, doing the steps in a day or a day and a half. And really piling them in. And so uh, I've, I've been trying that with my last two sponsees. And I've just, my experience so far is really positive. They have a lot of momentum. They're excited. They're getting spiritual breakthroughs. We get the steps 10, 11, and 12 really quickly in the daily practice. And so then I'm kind of wondering at that point how I should engage with them, you know, once they completed the steps, if it's just kind of ad hoc calls or keeps regular. And I'm also kind of wondering about, like, do I give them step into action so they can rework the steps in a more thorough manner after they kind of have their first pass in 10, 11, and 12 practice set up. So I don't know. I've, we talked about it a couple months ago. He's, he's had intrigued by that idea too. I thought you the initial experiment results I'm and also get your take. Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. Um, appreciate the question. Um, I, uh, I know there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of interest in push for going through the steps quickly. You know, there's, there's lots of different methods to do that, but, um, I, uh, I personally haven't, haven't, um, done any of those myself. So I don't have experience with that. Um, I, like I shared, I'm, I'm frequently, uh, I'm always interested in how can I do this better and more effectively. Right. Um, so that's something that's definitely on my radar and, uh, you know, I, I just try to experiment, right? I did uh, well back. I tried just um, reading through the big book with people. Um, and that was a lot of fun for me. It took a lot of time, right? That's the thing. Like, I don't have a lot of time. And so um, I love doing it. But, um, but uh, yeah, just 
time restraints. Um, so, you know, if I could say anything, it's just try it out. Uh, if you like it, if it works, keep doing it. If it doesn't, stop doing it. You know, uh, very simple. So. Thanks, Daniel, Luke. And we do have, well, if somebody has something very quick, we have well, maybe two minutes. Okay, I'm going to jump in. Daniel J. Sexaholic. Luke, question. What do you do with a sponsee who relapses? Do you have, and uh, does it matter what kind of a relapse, and how do you uh, get started again? And somebody might be a chronic relapser. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. I mean, this comes up a lot. Um, I I usually tell people, pass on from my sponsor, relapse usually comes down to uh, a couple things. Um, one is I can handle it, which is essentially a failure of step one. Um, or being unwilling to surrender how we use our time, um, which is, you know, it's essentially two and three, right? I'm either uh, unwilling. I, I, you know, I, I don't believe in the higher power. I'm not willing to turn to a higher power. Um, something to that effect. Um, and uh, so I usually will bring that up. Um, I this is one of the things where I just I get hammered home to me that I am powerless over sponsees. I um, I do not have the power to get people sober or keep them sober. Um, and, uh, it's just very, very clear. You know, I've many, many times I've thought I, you know, I've made some point super crystal clear, like as basic and simple as I can, like, this is, this is what you need to do. Like, this is what I've done. Um, and you know, it's just, that's between them and their higher power, you know, um, sobriety is a gift from a higher power. It's a byproduct of a relationship with a higher power. Um, and as far as I can tell, and until someone is able to, to start making that connection, um, there's just, there's just nothing that I can do, you know? Um, but I try to, I try to remind them of the basics, you know, it's kind of different with every person, be different, um, a different reason. Um, but, uh, I just try to get back to the basics, you know, and it's, it's usually like, um, I have two options. I either turn to lust or I turn to God. And if you're not turning to God, um, you're trying to do it on self-will and it's not going to work. You know, it's like, um, but yeah, that's, it's simple. That's just not easy. So. All right. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate that. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the daily reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.